Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. Uh, that was genuine. I couldn't find it. My brain was going like, where is this message? Uh, it's okay. The word lives inside of me. I ought to preach something. And uh, if you guys have your Bibles, you can open them to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Verses 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6. And I want to sort of continue speaking around similar to what Pastor Carolina brought for the offering message this morning, but I want to speak about um, your money. And I, I thought I'd better be upfront this morning so that you're not tricked. My assignment is to go after your wallet today. Not physically. Um, but you know, like people, if you might have ever heard or you might have thought, like the church is just after our money. And uh, the, the truth is that we kind of are. Because the Bible tells us in the book of Matthew, Jesus speaking, he says, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Where your treasure is, speaking of your income, your money, there your heart is also. You see, we serve the God of the universe. Amen? Yeah. We serve the God who created the heavens and the earth. We serve a God who formed and fashioned humanity, the universe, the stars. Can I tell you that God, who created all things and is in all things, doesn't need your money, but He does want your heart. And He knows that where your treasure is, there is your heart also. You see, the reason that God wants your heart to be invested in His church, because that's where we're supposed to bring our giving into our local church. We can give to organizations, we can give to mission work, we can give to all sorts of things, but the commandments in Scripture are to give into the local house of God, into the church of Jesus Christ. He wants our money because He wants our heart to be invested in His purpose. And can I remind you that Christ is coming back for His church. He's not coming back for a missions organization. He's not coming back for a goodwill program. He's not coming back for good deeds. He's coming back for His church, which is His people that we are a part of. You just heard the testimony of a young man's life that was transformed as he walked into the house of God, into the church of Jesus Christ. You yourself most likely have had your life changed through being a part of God's Church, the church of Jesus Christ, when it's surrendered around Christ and filled with the Spirit of God, is the hope for humanity. We believe in extending the kingdom of God. We believe in advancing God's kingdom. And Jesus, He, he wants our heart to be according to His heart. He doesn't need our money, but He, see, he, he speaks about our money because He wants our heart. And he knows where your money is, there also goes your heart. And so I thought I'd be up front today and let you know I'm trying to empty your wallets into the church of Jesus Christ. Not for personal gain, but for that we can see the kingdom of God advance this morning. Amen. And so I want to read to you the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6. And then we'll see what the Lord has to say. I'm hoping you guys are a bit more loud than the last service because everybody was pretty grumpy at me in the last one. <laughs> Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6, it says this, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves 
a cheerful giver. Verse 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that, having, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. I want to, before I unpack some thoughts around that scripture that I think are going to be helpful today, I want to sort of circle back a little bit and sort of give you a little bit of a foundation, kind of build a bridge for what we want to say so you can bear the weight of the truth, okay? And so I want to sort of, I want to, I want to, I want to just help you see the, the weight and the reality of what we're talking about. And so the, one of the simplest ways I look at the Christian life is this. It's through trust and obedience. Yeah. Through faith and obedience. Yeah. The, the Christian life, you know, it, it's, it's, it's trust in His promises yeah. and it's obedience to His commands. Yeah. We trust in His promises so we obey what He asks us to do. It's like when you're saved, the, we, we trust Jesus with our eternal salvation. We trust Him with our lives today and our eternity. And because we trust His promises, that He promises us eternal life, then we obey His commandments. Because the truth of the matter is, if you aren't somebody who obeys the Word of God, if you don't obey the commandments of our King, it's ultimately because you don't trust Him. Because if you trust Him as Lord of your life, if you trust Him as the Savior of your soul, then you would be insane to not obey His directive orders for life, His commandments and how we're supposed to live our lives. Do we trust that His promises are yes and amen? Because if we did, then we'll obey His words when He speaks. We won't often try and figure out ways to get out of the things that we don't like so we can do what we want. Trust His promises and obey His commandments. You know, the book of James tells us uh, in 1.22, James 1.22, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not mere, merely hearers who delude themselves. If you, you know, so many Christians are educated beyond their point of obedience. We've been sitting in church, we've been taught the Word of God, we've had things, we've, we've written notes, but are we doers of the Word or are we hearers only? The Bible, the, the book, the Word of God says, if we're hearers only and not doers of the Word, then we are deluded. We, we've missed it. We need to be people that hear the Word of God and we receive it by faith and that activates something in us that we would walk according to the Word that we've heard. Otherwise, thank you, Jesus, that we are deluded. Or Luke 6, 46, Jesus speaking. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and yet not do the things that I say? Jesus was obviously Picking up in his time, there were people that wanted to say his name, that wanted to call on the name of the Lord, yet didn't trust what he said after they did it. It's like we're looking for our quick ticket to heaven so that we're okay for eternity, but here on earth, we kind of want to do it our way because our ways are higher than your ways, God, but I just want your ticket to heaven. And Jesus is saying, why do you call me Lord, yet not do the things that I say? We trust that His promises are yes and amen, and we obey His commandments because He is the Lord of lords. 
You know, when, I'll ask you this morning, when you come to church, when you, when you come for a Sunday morning, you know, what's the most exciting part of the service for you? For many people, it would be the worship experience where we come in, and isn't the worship team here at City Point Redcliffe just unreal? You guys are awesome. I was, I was raving about Mark in the back room. He's just, you, I don't know where you are, Mark. Obviously having a coffee, not listening to the word, but we'll talk to him later about that. Now, I'm sure they were in the first service. They must be, right? No, <laughs> I'm just joking. And, and, but isn't the worship awesome? And you might really look forward to arriving for the worship experience. Or some of you might really love coming to hear Pastor Carolina bring the Word of God. You love the sermon. That's why you rock up 30 minutes late so you can get through the worship and get to the Word. I'm just joking. You guys are really good. I, both services have been like pretty much full as the thing started. So that's good job. Give yourselves a round of applause. You're a very small minority of the world. You obviously have good leaders. But you, you might come to engage the Word of God. That might be your most exciting moment. Or maybe you love this community of church and everything else is good, but you love just coming to connect with your friends, family, prayer partners. And all those things are good. But I would wonder how many of us are most excited about coming to church for the offering. You've been working hard all week, pr presumably some of you, but you do live in a good country, so you can not work hard and get free money. That's nice. <laughs> Don't do that for too long. Like, when I was 19, I took my three-month free money, and then I got a job. So you may as well, like, embrace it a little bit when you're young. And Anyway. <laughs> but, like, most of you, that's not like, oh, I can't wait to get to church to give my money. But can I, can I challenge us this morning that giving in the Bible, in the kingdom, is sort of creates a direct pipeline to God's blessing over your life. And we're not talking about this fake, like, you know, I just give so I can get from God, ATM kind of relationship with God. But it doesn't change the principle of the truth that giving, extreme generosity, is a direct pipeline to the blessings of God over your life. Um, you know, Luke, Luke chapter 6, verses 38, Jesus speaking. You know, if we really understood that truth, these truths I'm about to tell you, we would be lining up to give on a Sunday morning. We would be more excited to come give than we are to come sing our songs because singing songs is good, but technically it's not a direct pipeline to the blessings of God on your life. Luke 6, 38, Jesus speaking. He gives us a command here. He says, give, yes, Lord, and it will be given to you. They will pour it into your lap, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Who knows if something's running over, it's because it's overflowing. Yeah. Jesus gives us a command. This is in the Beatitudes, and he says, give. But then the promise is there that says, it will be given back to you, but more than you can imagine. We, we know in the book of Malachi, it says, bring your tithe into the storehouse, and when I pour out a blessing upon you, when I open the windows of heaven, that you'll receive a blessing that you can't even contain. The command from the Lord Jesus, whom you've entrusted your eternity to, he says, give, and his promise is that I'll give back to you, but more than you did in the first place. Or in Acts 25, 20, verses 35, the apostle, uh, uh, the speaking of quoting Jesus, it says, Remember the words of the Lord Jesus. For he himself said, It is more blessed to give than receive. Could you imagine if Jesus was in here? He would say to you, 
it's more blessed to give than receive. Then would we believe that simple truth? Like we think, how is it more like blessings are when I get stuff. Blessing is when I, when I have more than other people. But Jesus is saying it's more blessed to give away what you have than to receive what other people give you. That's why it's important to receive when people want to bless you so that they can receive their blessing. Or you can always be one of those people who are like, oh, no, 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 I, I can't take that from you. No, take it. Take the blessing that somebody else wants to give to you so that they can receive their blessing and carry on the culture of being someone who realizes it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. You see, like I said, generous giving is a direct channel to the blessings of God. You know, you, you might be like me and you think about money and you don't want to pervert money. You don't want to be the people that manipulate people around money. And, you know, that, that's why people get all up in arms when we talk about money. But the truth is the principle applies. You give your life to Jesus, right? When you become a Christian, you give your life to Jesus. And in return, the Bible tells us that you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When you become a Christian, you receive in Christ all the spiritual blessings of heaven. But that's a spiritual blessing. But the Lord, he says, give and it will be given back to you. Or we, we read in 2 Corinthians 9, it says, it says, those who sow bountifully will reap bountifully. There's a principle that says when you give into the kingdom of heaven, at what measure you give, at the level of sacrificial offering you give, it will be returned back to you. Yeah. It's always important to remember when it comes to giving that it's not about how much you give. It's about equal sacrifice, not equal giving. Because someone in here, you might be able to give far more financially than I'm able to give. But it's not about who can give more. It's about whose heart is invested more. It's like when we go do mission work up in Africa. They give us offerings. They take from the very little that they have and they give us. And it's often a goat that we end up eating together after you. You guys ever killed a goat? I mean, I don't know. Did you, did you know your meat does not come that way, prepackaged in Woolworths? It's important to remember that. An animal had to give its life so you could eat that thing. I'm actually going to go out soon to a farm and, and do that. Anyway, I don't know why we're there and can tell, it's, can tell it's not going down well. But what I'm trying to say is they don't have money to give, but they give something that's a month worth of food for their family that they raised in there. It's not about how much you give. It's about being a people that see the value of the kingdom of God because he doesn't need your cash. He wants your heart. God's, you know, we're not trying to build piles of money here on earth. We're trying to build piles of souls up in heaven. And the church of Jesus Christ is the vessel of the name of Jesus to be advanced in all the earth. Come on, somebody say amen. Trust his promises, a yes and amen. Obey his word. It's the simplest way to live as a Christian. You trust that his ways are better than our ways. That his ways are higher than our ways. We trust his promises. And because we trust him, it's easy to obey him. Which leads us back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6. I'll read it again. We'll very quickly go through four thoughts that I think can help you today. And then we're going to pray. 
Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. It's the same principle again. When we give into God's kingdom, his promise is that we will reap accordingly. Verse 7 says, each one must do just as he purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. The first thing I want you to notice when it talks in this scripture is it says this. In in verse 7 it says, each of you should give. I want to encourage us that it's telling us that each of us are supposed to be givers in the house of God. Not just the wealthy people, not just the ones who serve all the time. It says each of us should give. You know, there's these stats that people do and they've done these big stats across the globe of churches. And the statistics tell us that 20% of church attendees do all the giving and all the serving while the other 80% just come indulge for free of what they've been given by the 20%. And that's a pretty, for me, quite a heartbreaking stat. And you know, I'm speaking generally here, but that would, that would say that, like, say we're in this room, that would mean 20% of the people sitting in this room are doing all the giving so the rest of us can come and just have a great time on a Sunday morning. You know, I was talking South Africa, I was trying to be South African in the first, they have a thing called bring and bra, which is basically, I don't know what we call it here, but potluck we call it a potluck is that right where you come and everybody brings something to the table and everybody eats and feasts in South Africa they call it a bring and bra which basically means a bring and barbecue and and but you ever seen those people that come to those things if anyone still does them and they just never bring food like you turn up you're like ah I forgot the cake you know like and they put on the big act but they eat all the food anyway you know those kind of people or like if you go to a restaurant and everybody's having a good feast, there's always that one guy who's always like, ah, my wallet. You, you, do you know those people? I mean, I know that you can, sometimes you can like, I have few memories in my head, like that guy, don't go to dinner with that guy, don't go to dinner with that guy. But these days it's a bit hard because your money's on your phone, so now you can really get them. Like, ah, oh, but your phone's here. Like, oh, I don't have Apple Pay set up. Like, there's always a reason. All that to say, don't be that guy. Like, it says that each of us should give. Not those who are wealthy, not those who have more free money, but each one of us. Imagine we could be a kind of church that takes that statistic that says 20% of the people carry the load to 100% of the people carry the load together because we truly are better together. Did you know they, they say that if every church member would just tithe, would just pay their 10% into the house of God, the church would never need another cent. There would be that much money coming into the church. If we could all just do our part together, it says that each of you should give. This is the authoritative word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it's profitable for doctrine, for correction, for exhortation. The truth of the word of God says that each of us should give. If we don't trust him, we probably won't give. If we don't trust him, we probably won't obey his commands. If we don't trust him with, you know, it, with our money, do we really trust him with our eternity? It's a challenge today because Jesus says, he doesn't need your money, but where your money is, there your heart is 
also. The second thing is it says, it says you should, it says each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. It says that you should be a proactive giver, not a reactive giver. The reason people historically have felt manipulated by preachers or people talking about money in the churches. Yes, there are some people that have abused generosity, guys, but let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's important that because a few have abused a real principle in the Bible that we just wipe it out altogether. It's not how it works. The principle remains. But we have to be proactive, not reactive. We need to be people that predetermine what we want to give to the house of God above our tithe because we're a people that recognize the value of the local church. If you want to be manipulated into giving, be someone who's reactive to an emotional message. Like the best thing we can do to teach people how to give is do a really emotional message and then never take up the offering and teach them to go home and get with God, get in the Word and let it be a predetermined factor of faith that I'm going to give because I trust God to supply all my needs. When you predetermine how much you're going to give, it can be scary because you'll often feel convinced by God to give more than you thought you were going to give in the first place. But don't be reactive. Don't, you know, put up a, I don't want to put up a video to, of a poor person in Africa to manipulate you to empty your coins into a bucket. I want a people who are convinced in the promise of, of God that they are yes and amen. And because we trust Him, we'll obey Him. And because we trust Him and obey Him, we know that He'll supply our needs. Number three says, and give with a cheerful heart. Carolina spoke on it earlier. You don't have to give. Don't do it because you have to. Don't do it reluctantly, but do it because you know that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. You need your mindset to shift. You need it to be transformed by the renewing of your mind through the Word of God so that when you come to give, it actually is genuinely an exciting thing to be giving into the house of God. That doesn't mean it won't be difficult sometimes. That doesn't mean it won't hurt sometimes when you scrape and you're like, God, this is all I've got left. But you're not doing it begrudgingly out of a place of guilt. You're doing it out of a place that you trust God. Seek first the kingdom of God and these things will be added to you. When you seek first God's kingdoms, the thing that you want added to your life will often transform anyway. Because you'll realize more than getting that extra awesome Dodge Ram that you're looking for, you can help build churches in Africa with that money. It's not wrong to get the things, but the things begin to change. Your desires begin to change when you seek first His kingdom. And when you seek first His kingdom, how exciting to be a part of the hope of the world, what is the church of Jesus Christ. Which leads us to the last thought that says, it says, you should give what you decided in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 8 says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. The last thought to remind you this morning is that God is able. The God of the universe, the creator of heavens and earth, the one who formed and fashioned you in your mother's womb. The God, He doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And when you surrender all to Him, He's able. Must I remind you that, he, that the Bible says that greater is He that lives in me than he who is in the world. 
Must I remind you that the Bible says, if God is for me, who could be against me? It says, he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. He who sows generously will reap generously. And he says, and my God is able to supply everything that you need. Can I tell you, four years ago, I gave up working a full-time job in Australia with a pregnant wife, and we moved to Africa to be evangelists and preach the gospel in the nations of the world. Since day one, I have not lacked anything. I've not worked an official hour in a job in over four years, yet my God was able to supply everything that I needed and far beyond the things that I even needed because He's faithful. I trust His promises. A yes and amen. And because I trust His promises, I obey His commands. We arrived in South Africa knowing we had no official money coming in except what would come in when people would give it. Six months into our journey, we had someone donate a good chunk of money to help us get through the whole year. We saw a young man and we felt the Lord ask us to give to that young man as a missionary a certain amount of money every week, which in those first six months was easy until after the six months, that money that was there last year stopped coming in. But I'd heard God ask me to sow into this young man's life. But when the money stopped coming in, I had a choice. Do I cut off what I heard God ask me to do? Because now it looks like my supply, my safety net was gone. Or do I continue to trust that His promises are yes and amen? Do I continue to trust that He will supply all of my needs? Even if I have to pull back my living, even if I have to sell things, I'm going to obey what He asked me to do because I trust Him. Three years on, God's still been able to supply all my needs according to His riches, because He's faithful. God's not looking for your money. He wants your heart. But where your treasure is, there your heart is also. We are better together. We are the church. And more than I've seen in my lifetime, the world truly needs the church of Jesus Christ to forcibly advance. The Word asks us that each of us would give. Come on, can we flip the switch? Can we be a generation that doesn't live according to the statistics of the world, but we live according to the Word of God, that each of us would be a participator in the work of the kingdom? Would we be people that pre-think, that are proactive rather than reactive? Would we be a people that are so excited that when it comes to offering, when we get to give, that when you hear a message like this, you don't feel convicted or guilted or angry that I'm asking for your money, but you get excited that you're provoked again by the Spirit of God to sow into His kingdom, to see lost lives saved, to see broken bodies healed, to see sex trafficking young girls rescued, to see churches built. Come on, this is what we're going to be a part of. And that we would be a people that know that our God is able in Jesus' name. Come on, if you love Him, somebody say amen this morning. I talked about trusting God. You see, I said in the early parts of the message, I said, we trust God with our eternal salvation. That's why we can obey His commandments. Today, because we trust Him. But the word trust is, you know, the Bible tells in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that whosoever would believe in Him 
would not perish but have everlasting life. This is the gospel, that God loved sinful humanity, which is you and it's me. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He loved us so much that He sent Jesus that whosoever, anybody would believe would not perish but have everlasting life. That word believe is important because it doesn't mean just believe that Jesus is real. There are millions of people around the world who believe that Jesus is real. The Bible even tells us that the demons believe that He's real. But they fear. Believing that Jesus is real is not the key to salvation. It means to put trust and reliance upon, complete trust and reliance upon who Jesus is. This is why money's such an important tool for us to understand because we trust Him with our eternal salvation but not with our day-to-day finances. And today I want to challenge you, not on the money, but do you trust Jesus with your life? Have you given Him lordship over your life? Jesus died for your sin upon the cross of Calvary. He rose again on the third day, which destroyed sin, death, and the grave. And because of His death, burial, and resurrection, we can now receive eternal life through Jesus Christ. Because those who believe will not perish, but have everlasting life. But those who do not believe, the Bible says, are condemned already. You see, we don't have an angry God in heaven who sent Jesus to send people to hell. We have a loving God in heaven who saw sinful, broken humanity and sent Jesus to give people a way out of condemnation and into life more abundantly and life eternal. Do you believe in Jesus today? Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.